0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989.
1: All right, good morning. It's uh, great to be together this morning, and uh, before Chris's uh, microphone had a malfunction, I want to welcome everyone. Uh, Literally, our fellowship is worldwide, so if you're visiting uh, from anywhere from Singapore to anywhere around... Coming back from school, please stand on us so we can see who's, uh, who's here with us today. Woo! It's uh, great to have you back, and uh, I know you were wondering what happened to the weather. It got really cold here in California, so, uh, but it's great to have you guys back. I want to say a special welcome to uh, Will and Addy Garcia as well. Uh, they serve in the ministry in Dallas. And uh, they're here with us also. All right, uh, Amy, thank you so much for coming. Uh, on behalf of the Westside Church, it's really a great honor for us to be able to help out uh, in that way. So we're super grateful that you're here. All right, uh, this next guest, our guest speaker today, really needs no introduction. Uh, he and his wife, yeah? He and his wife are part of the uh, Westside Hall of Fame. You guys didn't know we had a Hall of Fame, right? But we do. And they're part of it. Uh, he was born in the Philippines, but he was raised, raised in California. Uh, became a Christian in 1986 and on the campus of UC Berkeley. And he has served full-time in the ministry for the last 30 years. So he's a lifer. And uh, three years ago, he and his wife went on vacation to Hawaii. as an extended vacation, but they're now back with us here on the west side. I'm just kidding. So they served in San Francisco, uh, were on a mission team to the Philippines, and in Thailand, Southeast Asia, uh, in the Middle East as well, and uh, in Los Angeles, uh, here on the west side for several years, and now they serve the churches in uh, all the Hawaiian states, uh, uh, and amongst uh, they have other responsibilities as well. He and Son have been married for 26 years, and they have two boys and a new daughter-in-law uh, last year, and their sons are Nick and Shelley, uh, and uh, Chris uh, is with us also today. Please welcome Anthony Kalang. Uh, so.
0: Thanks, man. Fantastic. Awesome. Good to be together. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak from down here today, just to be with family, and and and. Too early to cry. Yes, yes, yes. Well, really good to be with you. Really good to hug many of you this morning, because it is, it's is—it's—it's family, and when we don't see each other for several years, uh, we know that God does a lot of things in our lives, and uh, we're all on a journey together, and, and God does teach us all lessons, every one of us. He teaches lessons of, of uh, important things, of what's important and what's not. Oh, thanks, Tracy. Wow. Just like old times. Oh, my gosh. But it, it, it is great. It's, it's fantastic to be here back in the West Side. I appreciate the extended vacation that Ken was talking about. And uh, just thank you. Thank you for uh, your faithfulness. So many of you that we've known uh, that served alongside for eight years uh, here in the West. And it's good to see your face. I know you've gone through challenges. The church here has gone through challenges. We've gone through challenges. Hey, let's just go through challenges together. But we're still here. All of us, we're still here. And that's what really counts. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I keep talking about that, but that's how it is. It's not just how you start your Christian life. What really is the true test is how you endure it, how you persevere through it, and how you finish. Uh, but it, it's great. It's great being here. Thank you for letting us be here. We're on family vacation, actually. <laughs> so you're part of our family vacation right now. Uh, my brother flew out from New York. He was gracious enough to have our whole family fly out from Hawaii to come here to L.A. I've got, I've got an aunt that lives here in L.A., uh, and my mom is with us, too. And, um, and so we're, we're here for a few days. We're going up to San Francisco to see San's side of the family. Uh, she comes from a family of 10 uh, kids. That's why all these Filipinos are so small. And <laughs> you got to fight hard at the dinner table to get food. But we'll be up there for a few days and uh, then, then on our way back to uh, Hawaii. But uh, we actually want all of you to move to Hawaii. I think that would be a great thing. I know, uh, I know this is the west side. Just take it a little bit farther west and, and, and we'll be together. What we're going to do today, brothers and sisters, is I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about what's, what's happening, uh, kind of the Hawaiian area and then we'll transition and, and do a sermonion. What, what that means is that it's an extended lesson. And then we'll take, we'll take communion together afterwards. Okay, you with me on that one? Okay. So I, I wanted to uh, show you, first of all, uh, it's hard to see, but Hawaii is made up of eight different islands. And we live on the island of Oahu. If you ever watch Hawaii Five-O, that's where we live. Uh, and it's, uh, it's encouraging to see uh, what God is doing uh, in the uh, Hawaii state. Uh, there are about 1.5 million people that live in uh, Hawaii, and uh, we are on the island of Oahu. This is our family. So proud of the kids. Nick is uh, 24 now. He and Shelly got married about a year and a half ago. So, uh, just very, very uh, proud of them, and and they had a calling to go into the full-time ministry, and so the Oahu Church actually hired them earlier this year to be in the full-time ministry, and so they're training, and it is a tremendous joy for Son and myself to to have our son and daughter-in-law train with us uh, in the ministry. It's a, it's a blessing, and uh, I, I don't know how many years it will be, but I'm just so thankful that we have that opportunity to be together, to for Son and I to give them our very best of best of what we know. How to lead a church and be raised in the ministry. And so much of leading a church is raising a family. The principles cross over. And if you can lead a successful family and be good enough parents, as I know many of you have gone through, then then we need good enough ministers. We need good enough churches that aren't perfect but can can do their very, very best. So proud of them. So proud of our youngest son, Chris. He's 20 now. And he's a sophomore in college. He uh, goes to Hawaii Pacific University. Uh, Doing well in school. He plays for the soccer team out there. and He's trying to reach out to his soccer uh, teammates as well. Uh, He just recently started uh, dating a sister in the church there in Hawaii. And you know how we talk about Christians, you you only date Christians and you only marry Christians. Well, he went a step further. He's actually dating a sister whose name is Christian. So... (laughs) I appreciate him taking it literally and figuratively and <laughs> doing a great job with that. But very grateful uh, to have family here. My mom and dad, uh, they moved out with us about three and a half years ago. Uh, many of you remember Fausto, my mom, Lydia. Yeah, my dad passed away a couple of years ago there in Hawaii. God took him within 24 hours. Uh, it was amazing, you know, what happened. And... Uh, uh, you know, one afternoon he was alive and, and talking and, and there, and then the next, uh, next afternoon God had really taken him. Um, but uh, thankful that he's in heaven and, and he lived a faithful life uh, because one day all of us are going gonna, to, you know, our number is going to be called. And, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready to answer the call. And, and so there's really no time to afford uh, periods in our life where we're not faithful to God. There's no, there's no time to waste because we never know when when that number will be for any one of us. Uh, but so thankful. My mom, she is continuing to crank faithfully. She's 82 years old. She's part of a, a family group we call the G Squad. It's called the Granny Squad because we had <laughs> for about half a dozen grannies in there. And boy, you don't mess with that group uh, because they'll, they'll mess with you. They, they, they give advice to you whether you want it or not. They, they will let you have it. They know. They can't, they can't waste words or anything like that. And if you want to be called higher, just, just fellowship with the granny squad. And they will, uh, they will encourage your socks off. <laughs> Part of our responsibility in Hawaii is to be partners and to help oversee some of the different islands that are happening in, in uh, uh, Oceania. There's, there's a lot of miles. We're about five, five, six hours away from here on on the west side of L.A., we also partner with the church in Guam. That's about another eight hours west uh, flight from us, where we are. Close to, it's getting close to Asia at this point. But uh, in Guam, they just recently hired a uh, full-time couple. Their name Braxton and Jinky Keefe, and their family. A little bit about them. They they had served as house church leaders in the Chicago church for a couple decades. Never been in the full-time ministry. They saw uh, the leadership position in Guam open about two years ago. And they stepped out on faith, taking a chance. Hey, we want to do something more for the Lord. We just we want to get out of our comfort zone. We want to do something different. We feel like our best years are still ahead. And so they applied. They got the position to lead the church there in Guam of about 80 disciples. That's the family there. They're doing a fantastic job. This church had not had full-time leadership direction uh, for close to five years, and uh, the, the disciples there were faithful. Uh, but it's so encouraging to see that how God moves in mysterious ways at different times uh, to, to match people up. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job. And these are your brothers and sisters in the Guam church, about 80, 80 of the disciples there. Uh, back in Hawaii, uh, we have three churches. We have got a church in Oahu. That's the church that Son and I are part of. And when we left about three and a half years ago, uh, a little over 200 uh, disciples there in the Oahu church, uh, some of you may remember they were going through a very, very challenging time, uh, uh, need of direction, need of leadership. They, they needed a new chapter. They needed a new start. And uh, God's done some amazing things over the last uh, three plus years. Uh, close to 150 people, new people have been added to the fellowship there in Oahu from baptisms and restorations and people that have moved in because uh, there's a lot of military that, that's, that's there in the island of Oahu. Um, but it's so encouraging. We have uh, over 400 people coming to church in the Oahu church now. And we've got great plans and visions for, for what God will do to uh, help uh, win that entire island. We've got another church in, in Maui. Some of you may have vacationed over there. A group of about 20 disciples. And they haven't had a full-time direction uh, in close to 12 years. And, and that, that group of faithful Christians have been holding, holding the fort there. Uh, in, in their faithfulness. But recently, they just hired uh, a full-time couple. They're going to be uh, a bivocational. They'll be partially supported by the church, and they'll have uh, uh, secular work to help provide for their income. But they're a special couple. Uh, they're named Kent and Heather McKean. They, they actually served in the West Side many, many years ago. Uh, probably 12 years ago, they were here uh, in the West Side. Uh, they've been in the ministry in the East Coast... And they are currently in Johannesburg, South Africa. They're doing a one-year ministry challenge. They are going to be moving to Maui uh, in a few weeks. We're having a a leadership retreat uh, there. And so they're moving their family to come out and lead the church in Maui. Very, very excited. Uh, This is the son and daughter-in-law, Randy and Kay McKean, who lead the church out there uh, in the East Coast. So it's exciting to see what God is doing in opening up doors in the church in Maui. We have another church on the Big Island, which is the the newest of the islands, and uh, the biggest. And we have a church of about 20 disciples on that uh, that island. Uh, They, too, have been in a similar situation where they haven't had full-time direction for about a dozen years. Uh, But excitingly, in the next few weeks, we have a couple that is flying in to uh, do its final interviews uh, to see if they can do a bivocational position, too, of being supported partially. ...from the church as well as uh, uh, having... Uh, ...actually, they are empty nesters. They're in their mid-60s. And this uh, brother used to serve as an elder in one of our bigger churches. Uh, he is serving as a teacher. And they have done a great job in their lives just storing up money for such a time as this. Where they are available to go help and teach uh, and preach... And, ...and help smaller churches in our fellowship... Uh, and so I say that because, hey, all of us are going to get older one day, and 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 don't think that once you get to retirement age, it's it's a time to just kind of you know go to Hawaii and relax. Okay, don't don't think that. Hey, but but think, think about hey what you can do if God has you alive at that age. Think what you could do and and how you could serve the kingdom at an older age. So so be responsible in saving, be responsible in getting resources because. You never know. And there are scores of churches in our fellowship who are dying for leadership, who are wanting mature brothers and sisters to go in and help and to teach and and counsel and mature and and take a hill uh, for the Lord. So it's really exciting to see what God is doing in the uh, Hawaiian Islands. Okay, we're going to transition a little bit here, brothers and sisters. Turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to... uh, Look at some passages, and I want to share a few things here before we take communion. What will you give Jesus? It's a few days from now that Christmas is going to take place. But this is the time of year the world celebrates the birth of Christ. And whether people recognize his birth is questionable or not. And through the busyness, through commercialism, through meals, through preparation, this is a busy time of our lives. And, and, and what's so ironic is that it's the season of remembering the birth of Jesus, but because of all the distractions and all the challenges we may have in our lives, we, we actually may forget why we're celebrating it. We, we actually might forget what, what this whole season is for and what this season is about. And so, many people consider this one of the most holy holidays in, in all the world, but there's others that don't consider this uh, really a, a special holiday. They don't celebrate it, maybe because of their own religion, or, or maybe because of uh, the worldly roots that Christmas comes about. And uh, you're going to have to Google that, and you're going to have to look it up where Christmas has come from. Uh, and, and here's the point. Whatever, whatever group we're in, one thing I know, during this season, Jesus must be honored. Jesus must be honored. As much as it's appropriate to talk about thankfulness during Thanksgiving, it, and, and mothers, during Mother's Day, it, it's appropriate for us to talk about the birth of Christ during Christmas. Whether he was actually born during this time of the year or not. It's, it's, it's worthy to commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ. It's, it's worthy to. And I was looking at a passage in Matthew talking about the birth of Christ and I noticed a few things that I wanted to point out and help apply even to our lives today. But in Matthew chapter 2, this is when Jesus was born. And let's start reading here. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Now, we know that King Herod actually wanted to kill this threat. Jesus was a threat to him. It says, He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. That's a a prophecy out of the book of Micah. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. He was deceiving the Magi. He wasn't going to worship Jesus at all. He wanted to kill him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way... ...and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them... ...until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother... Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. You know, notice the kinds of gifts that these wise men even gave him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if you were to look those things up, I mean, gold is still one of the most valuable metals that we have today. But back then, gold was absolutely precious, and only kings would possess this type of metal. Frankincense, you could read in even Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 through 38. Frankincense was used as incense at the, the altar. And even if you were to make some of this incense to have for your personal use, you would be struck down. That's how, that's how worthy this, uh, this, this ingredient was. This is how special this ingredient was. And then in myrrh, we might remember that this was uh, another rare ingredient that was used for burial. Even when Jesus was, was buried, uh, people were buried in with myrrh so that it could combat the bad odor that decaying bodies would have. The point I'm trying to make out of this, brothers and sisters, is the fact that these wise men brought some of the most rare and valuable gifts. Now, another thing I want you to notice here. In the last part, it says, then they opened their treasures and presented him with these gifts the first Christmas gifts were given to Jesus. And that's just a simple observation. That makes sense. But the first gifts, when Jesus was born, were actually given to him. But here's the thing. What I, what I notice, even today, is that we can, we can give gifts to everyone else, but we forget to give gift to Jesus. During during this time, I mean, the mailman gets a gift, the newspaper guy gets a gift, your teacher gets a gift, your neighbors get a gift, everyone gets a gift except Jesus. It's like going to someone's birthday party, and you get a gift for everyone at the party except for the person whose birthday it is. And how many times have we lived Christmas every season and we're worried and and frantic about getting people gifts, other people gifts, but we, we fail to give a gift to Christ. We fail to even acknowledge that. We fail to even think about that. That's just wrong. That's wrong. If we're disciples of Christ, certainly we've got to think about Jesus more than just a season of the year. And I know we do that. But it's wrong, but think about what, what if, here's the thing, what if this year you also gave a gift to Jesus? What would it be? What kind of gift would you give to Jesus? Now you might say, well, Jesus doesn't need anything. He, 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 he has everything. And you're certainly right. He doesn't need anything material from us. He doesn't need those types of things at all. He created those things. You read about in Colossians chapter 1. Jesus made everything. He doesn't need any material possessions or anything like that from us. Those don't do any good to Christ. But if you were to give any kind of of gift that's of value or of meaning to Jesus, what would it be? I want to give us a few suggestions before we close, okay? I want to give us a few types of of gift ideas. If you want to go shopping, I'm going to give you some ideas of what you could shop for. Now, you could come up with some other ones too. That's fantastic. Here's the first gift that you could give Jesus. Is a gift of faithfulness. One of, the, one of the biblical characters that we learn from is the Apostle Paul. And apart from Jesus, he did the most and suffered the most for the gospel and the apostle Paul was imprisoned twice the first time he was imprisoned it was it was pretty lenient he was on house arrest and he had the freedom to rent his own apartment and he had freedom for people to come and go to visit him and he was able to preach the gospel to other people that was the first time the second time he was in prison it was not as pleasant and this was nearing the end of his life this is when he had endured Uh, You can read about it in 2 Corinthians. You, You can see all the challenges that he went through to endure the gospel. And this is what he said to Timothy here at the very end of his life. He said, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The Apostle Paul said this to Timothy. You know, according to the Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you ever read that, it's a great book talking about what the Christians went through. But according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, it wasn't... Long after this, that the Emperor Nero went on this rampage of just exterminating Christians. And soon after, the Apostle Paul was taken out of the city and his head was cut off. He knew that his time was short, he knew his time was near an end. And I say this about giving Jesus a gift of faithfulness because he, here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Our lives as disciples, whether many years or short years, we're, we're all going to go through challenges in our life. We're going to go through highs, and we're going to go through lows. And we're going to go through everything in between. Over the last 30 years, I, I've, I've seen... I've seen a lot of victories. I've seen a lot of joys. Not just feeling the blessings in my own life, but I've also seen a lot of joys and blessings in other people's lives too. But we're going to go through. We're going to. We're going to all go through challenges. Some of us we're going to lose a job. Some of us we're going to have financial hardship. Some of us we might be struck with some kind of illness, that's going to get us to think about life a little bit more. Some of us we're going to have failed relationships. You may have a boyfriend girlfriend situation and that doesn't work out. Some of us will witness failed relationships in our life. And I, I've seen a lot of joys, but I've also seen a lot of hurt, as many of you have as well. We've seen many of our friends, or we've seen friends of ours, even get to a point where they've gotten divorced. We've seen what it's done to them. We've seen what it's done to their kids. We've seen what it's done to their families. We've, we've, we've seen these types of things. We've seen people who have started off well as Christians, but then they, they, they've sputtered. They've struggled. All of us struggle. But we've seen people we love, friends of ours... Do well and then not do well. To a point where some have gone back into sin. They've gone back to their old life. They've gone back, maybe not even to their old life, but they've created a a new bad life because of their sins. We've seen some people not just stop coming to church, but given up on God. God. And and I say this because here's the question that I have to ask myself, and I think all of us need to ask ourselves too. Will you be there for Jesus in the end? Will you be there? Regardless of, of what challenges you may endure or go through, will you be there? Could you be like the Apostle Paul where he says, I kept the faith. I was faithful. And I saw a lot of good things I saw a lot of bad things. I saw people I loved not, not do well spiritually anymore. I, I, saw, I saw good times and I saw hardship. Were, I was running away from bandits, running away from my own countrymen. But, but what will it take to knock you out spiritually? What will it take And and, and this is something I think all of us know and sometimes need to be reminded of. But will you be there in the very end? Will will you be there for Jesus in the very end? We've got to remember why we got baptized. We've got to remember who we got baptized for. We've got to remember why we did what we did. It wasn't for anyone else. Hopefully, it wasn't for anyone else but it was, it was only for Jesus Christ and He saved us on the cross. He forgave us of our sins. He, he empowered us with the Holy Spirit. He said He'd be with us to the very end of the age. We've got to remember those things and give a gift of faithfulness to Christ. You know who I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the brothers and sisters who have gone through a divorce and they're still faithful. I'm thankful for the brothers and sisters who have gone through hardships, maybe lost a job, gone through health issues, and you know what? They are still faithful to Christ. They're still faithful. You know why? Because they've kept their eyes on Jesus. They've they've not taken their eyes off Him and His example and what He's endured to go to the cross for our sake. But... Somehow through their pain, through their challenge, through their hardship, through their woes, they've gotten themselves back to Christ. Will you be there in the very end? That would be a great gift for Christ this season. Give Him a gift of faithfulness. Amen, brothers and sisters? Here's the second thing. Give a gift of commitment. You know, Jesus talked to a lot of people when he was walking around in his ministry. A lot of people were confronted with Christ, and they had to count the cost. We're familiar with that passage, many of us, in Luke chapter 14. You've got to count the cost if you're going to follow Jesus. And there are a lot of people in the world today who would love to follow Jesus because they see all the benefits. They see all the changes that can take place. But what happens over time is that in life, you get tested. In life, you get tested in good times and bad times. And what happens is that people's faith get exposed how attached they are really to Jesus when challenges come their way. Those are moments that we've got to stay attached to Christ. Those are moments that, you know, and I, and I hope there's nothing in your life that can take you out spiritually. Even, even to your own body, and I know it's easier said than done. I know that. And we all know that. And unless you're experiencing a hardship, it, it is. It's impossible to put ourselves in anyone else's shoes. And I'm not, I'm not saying those things because I'm, you guys know what I mean. But here there's a passage in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus asks um, potential followers... Whether they were going to follow him first. And it says here, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's interesting how we find a couple guys wanted to follow Jesus but Jesus showed them their commitment still was lacking. It wasn't it wasn't fully given over to him. And that's that's something I think we always have to remember guys that our discipleship is to Jesus Christ. It's not to the veterans auditorium. It's not even to the "Quote unquote," the West Side Church of Christ, or whether you're part of the Oahu Church of Christ, you, you better make sure you're you're part of God's church. But, but we're all we're all temporary here. We're we're here today. We're gone tomorrow. We know that. But it's our our commitment is much bigger than a gathering. Our commitment is much bigger than any material structure or building or location that we're in. As as nice as Hawaii is, I know heaven is so much better. But our commitment is to Christ. Your commitment is to Jesus Christ. Now and forevermore. And it was interesting, but this last guy, he said, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And I don't know what, what this, this guy was going on, but the fact is this guy had a double allegiance. He had somehow Jesus exposed that maybe he, his love for his family was a little bit more than his love for Jesus. Maybe he was a little bit more attached to his family than he was to Christ. And whatever it may be, whether it be family or something else, Jesus was there to help this guy understand, hey, you need to be attached to me more than you are to anything else. And you notice, you know, looks back, uh, looks back, put your hand to the plow and look look back. It's not fit for service in the kingdom of God, and Jesus, it's, it's like driving. And let me just say, L.A. driving is very different than Hawaii driving, okay? It's, uh, it's, it's interesting being back here for the last couple of days, and it's like, wow, okay, we, we better get ready here. It's, it's, a, it's a very colorful, colorful, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, we, we grew up here, we were, you know, we, we know, but it's like, if you've been away from it a while, and then you come back, and it's like, oh, okay, I better speed up. But it's like driving, looking back, looking back all the time. You're, you're looking back. You're distracted. You're, good, you're going to run over people. You're, you're not going to go straight. You're, you're going to be distracted. You won't be focused. If you're just constantly looking back, oh, wow, look at that. Nice view back there. and You're going to cause some damage. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you, if you're, you, know, you have oxen and you're, you're constantly looking back and you're plowing and you're not paying attention and you're not looking forward, then... Hey, the, the, the rows are going to be crooked. You're distracted. You're going to ruin things. You're going to run into people. God wants us to be focused. He wants us to look forward. He wants us not to look back, learn from the lessons in the past, but He wants us to keep moving forward. Because if we don't, we can get easily distracted. We, we can get off track. We can, we can miss the goal of going to heaven one day. Because we're not looking forward. We're we're kind of in the past. We're kind of looking back. And we're not looking forward. The next, the gift that I'm talking about here, brothers and sisters, is your next level of commitment you could give to Christ. What is your next level of commitment? As you go into this holiday season, what kind of gift of commitment will you give to Christ? Maybe some of you, and I, I don't know everyone here, but maybe some of you are at a point where you, you can decide to study the Bible to become a Christian. You can make that next level of commitment. Maybe, maybe that's you. Is, is, is you, I want to make that decision. Maybe, maybe you're at the point where you're ready to get baptized. And, and you love God. You want to be faithful to God. You, you understand you're counting the cost and you need to be baptized. You need to be immersed. You need to be born again. God has given you another chance at life. Maybe you're at that point where you can make that next level commitment. Maybe some of you are at the point where you've got to make more effort in dealing with your sin. You you just got to make more effort in dealing with your sin. And you've got to put a stake in the ground. You've got to decide, "I, I do not want to live this way for God anymore. You know, there's a reason why sexual sins are at the top of so many of the lists. It's because they're real. It's dangerous. Heterosexuality, homosexuality, pornography, whatever. It it is out there and the devil is wanting to lure every one of us to get us to fall. And maybe you're at that point where you've got to deal with your sin so much more seriously in life. And not let sin master. You know the passages. Read Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7. You know those passages. You can remind yourself what God is calling us to. And even if we become a Christian and we've fallen, guess what? God is still going to take us back. The brothers and sisters will still take you back. The angels in heaven will still rejoice. But, but, but you as an individual, you've, you've got to have the conviction, I want to live for God. I want, to, I want to be pure. I want to be right. I want to, I want to be intimate with the Lord again. Maybe, maybe you've got to go after your pride. And you need more humility in life. And it, it comes out. You're critical. You're, you're, you're lacking joy. You're selfish. And maybe, maybe your pride, you've got you to gotta get rid of the pride. Maybe it's anger. I don't know. Maybe you're saying things and thinking things that, that you shouldn't be saying. And you regret how you're acting. And you don't like the way that you're becoming, and you need you need more self-control. Maybe maybe it's a gift. You've got a next level of commitment is is marriage and family, and you need help. And 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 husbands, you need to start leading spiritually a lot more. Wives, you need to be a, a cheerleader for your husband. Even if your husband's being a you know kind of a Christian bozo, you, you still need to support him. But maybe you're at that point. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your next level commitment is just you got to be more committed to the body, to the church. And, 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 and you're being in fellowship. You're reliable. You're, you're, you're part of a family group and you're, you're being that. You're, you're, you're making the midweeks. You're making the leaders' meetings. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if some of you are making the habit of missing church. You got to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Remind yourself. Don't make it a habit. The older we get, yeah, we might have other responsibilities, but don't make it a habit to miss the body life. Don't make it an excuse. What is your next level of commitment? That would be a great gift to God. That would be a great gift to God. Put that one under the tree. The last gift I want to talk about is the gift of sharing Jesus. We know this passage, Matthew, Matthew 28, 18-20. Then 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission, brothers and sisters. We know this. This is the mission that the church is supposed to be on. This is the commission. This is, after being saved, God sends us out to go help people. And if as individuals and as a church we drift from this, we are are soon going to become extinct in a local area we are soon going to become extinct. And you know what I see? The challenge is, as, as, as we age, the older we get, the more challenging it can become in, in, in sharing about Jesus and making time to help other people find God. But this is, this is the commission. We, we all know this. We, we memorize this in first principles class. But the question for all of us is, how are we doing? How are we doing when it comes to sharing about Jesus, how much it's on our heart? When's the last time we, we had a friend come to church with us or some kind of church event? When's the last time we, we studied the Bible with someone, helped someone become a Christian? You know, Son and I, we were in a, a Bible study with a married couple there in Hawaii for uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really encouraging. We had three other couples that are 20-year-old disciples and up. And it's so encouraging just to be in a group where friends can share with other friends what's helped us to stay faithful over the years. And during parts of the Bible study, I would just sit back and let the other brothers and sisters share their experiences and convictions and heart with the, the couple that we're helping. And Son and I would... So often, just sit back and be amazed on on what God has done for all these other couples in their lives, and 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 how they're helping other people. And I remember thinking, "Gosh, I wish I wish like all our married couples were doing this." And and the Oahu Church is about eighty percent married and family. So we have a, an older group; it's it's a twenty-five year old church. And then I was thinking, "No, I." I wish like all the disciples were doing this consistently, not just marrieds, but like singles and campus and teens and and more people were thinking about this and and having a heart to to do this more. Uh, even this next year in Hawaii, where where our theme is each one reach one, I stole that from Steve and Jackie Marici. They did that a few years ago, but we're doing each one reach one because we want we want everyone in the church to have that on their hearts so much more where all of us could, could do a part. All of us could, could help other people whether we invited them or be in a study or encouraged them or had them over for hospitality. There, there's a lot of room to, to help people become Christians. Even saw and myself a few months ago, we were, uh, we're just thinking because as we get older... Um, uh, we, we have to consistently try to make. We have to try to find new new relationships, because the older you get, you run out of friends <laughs> to to reach out to. Okay, the friends you have, they don't want to hear it anymore from you. And so you have to you have to consistently look for more friends. You have to look for new friends. It's kind of weird. You go around, hey, will you be my friend? <laughs> let, let me let me just show, uh, see a show of hands. How many of you came to church for the first time, or you, you, you came to church because a friend of yours invited you to something? Can you just raise your hand? Wow. That's fantastic. The rest of you, you're really good-hearted. You just came from a... <laughs> A church sign or a website or maybe you needed more friends Maybe before that, I don't know. But the point here is many of you raised your hand because you came to church out of a relationship. And here's my point. All of us would be so much more effective in reaching out to people if we just had more friends and created new friendships in our life. Where your light can be a light to more people around you. And I mean, it's hard to be a light in a living room in front of the TV consistently, you know, week after week. You've got to get out. You've got to make new friends. You've got to kind of pave a new routine. You've got you to do something to put yourself in a position where your light can be around more people who need to hear the gospel. A couple months ago, Son and I decided, hey, let's we got to we got to do something. So I, I joined a, a thing called Meetup, and they have a lot of different social groups and things like that. So I, I said, okay, well, I like golf, so I'm going to join a, a golf group on Meetup and see who, I meet. So uh, this Meetup group has about 240 golfers in in this group, and they post it where the groups are meeting and things like that, and the first. The first uh, event I went out to was just hitting buckets, a bucket of balls at a golf range there. And so there were six of us that committed to going, so I, I went on out. And you got to put a little personal profile on there so people kind of know who you are. And, and so people knew I was a minister even before I walked in. And uh, so we're, we're gathering around the little clubhouse, and we're just getting to know each other and so forth. And there was a, there was a, a, a guy who was there for the first time, too. His name was Peter. And uh, we started talking, and he said, oh, so I hear you're a minister. I said, yeah. He goes, well, what church do you belong to? And I go, Wahoo Church of Christ. And he goes, well, hey, I just moved here recently, and I'm actually looking for a church. That's like, whoa. That's like music to a disciple's ear right there. And so, you know, we obviously connected and said, uh, uh, and, you know, I invited him to come out. And he came out that Sunday. It was so encouraging. It felt it felt just good to be in that battle again. And so he came out to church, and uh, he's been coming out to church for the last several months. He's a a young single guy. He graduated from West Point. Uh, Here's actually a picture of Peter in the middle. That's him. That's another one of our single brother leaders named Edwin. And Peter is he's counting the cost right now. He's been studying the Bible for the last several weeks. And uh, prayerfully, he'll be your brother in Christ very, very soon. But the difference it made was just creating relationship. All of us can do that. If you want to be more effective and, and help other people become Christians, then you, you've got to make new friends. you got to initiate. you got to be out there in, in, in the world and make new friends on campus, in your high schools, in your neighborhoods wherever it may be, in your workplace. You've got you to put yourself out there and make new friends. We've got so many people on the west side who are more than capable of studying the Bible with people and helping people. It's simply making new friends, getting out there, making new relationships with people who hear near to hear, hear the word of Christ. Let's close here before we take communion. Another thing that is encouraging to me about all these gifts, these are gifts that God can't give for us. These are gifts that all of us need to make a decision for. We choose to give these gifts to Jesus Christ. The gift of faithfulness. We can give that to Jesus. You can be faithful to Christ. The gift of commitment. What's your next level of commitment? All of us can think about what we need to amp up going into the new year. We, we can give the gift of sharing Jesus. God can't do that for us. We have to do it ourselves. And I absolutely, I want us to enjoy this season. I want us to enjoy this holiday season. I want us to have great times with family and friends. I want us to have a good conscience. But let's not leave a gift out for Christ. Let's not leave it out. Let's let's make sure you have a gift under the tree for Jesus Christ this year. You think about it. You reflect it. Maybe it's a good family discussion. Maybe you share your gift with someone else. But you choose You choose to give that gift to Jesus Christ this year because he needs to be honored. Uh, brothers and sisters of the West Side, it's great being back home with you guys again after three years. Thanks for letting us be here. All uh, move out to Hawaii. Come on out. Andy Wenge is going to come up here in a moment to pray for our communion. But let's think about even the types of gifts we could give to Jesus this year. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Andy, come on up. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.